Hi, I'm Carrie Hickenlooper at Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode number two, The Book of Mormon, An Invitation to Depart. Hi friends, welcome back. How did your week go? Were you able to discover any tender mercies? I hope you wrote them down. Did you go to sisterscriptorians.com and tell us about them? I would love to hear what you experienced this last week. And I know that your experience will help us to be able to better identify them in our lives after learning from your example. So don't hold back. We want to hear from you. Okay, let's get started with this week's topic, the Book of Mormon and Invitation to Depart. I think before we go any further in getting to know Nephi and his family, it would be helpful for us to get to know the times in which they lived in. The Book of Mormon begins around 600 BC in Jerusalem during the first year of the reign of King Zedekiah. During this time, things were starting to heat up and lines were being drawn. Those with power and authority, both political and spiritual, resented the Lord's prophets who cried repentance. This was a culture that was not friendly to the prophets of God. And the people had become unfaithful to keeping the commandment, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Instead, they had replaced him with idols and the false gods of the surrounding nations. These were the days of the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, who actively warned against the destruction of Jerusalem and against the continuous threat of the Babylonian Empire. And I think if you were to take Jeremiah's teachings and categorize them, a main message would be a warning against pride and the effects of pride on a people. Pride was weakening them, and instead of experiencing the clarity that comes from living a covenant-keeping life, the people were becoming ensnarled by pride. They were embracing sensuality and adultery, materialism and dishonesty, and eventually they had lost the value of human life so much that they were sacrificing their children on the altars of Baal. They preferred the false prophets, who didn't stir within them a need to rise high to the Lord's standards and meet them, but who soothed their conscience with messages indicating that all is well, which made Jeremiah look hysterical and like a fearmonger. Pride and its disdain for virtue had weakened the people's ability to discern and to make wise choices. It had also weakened their ability to protect themselves and their nation's sovereignty, for pride had infected their top leaders, causing political upheaval of their kings and weakening their defenses. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had already invaded Jerusalem once and had placed as king King Zedekiah. King Zedekiah was kind of like a, a puppet king, if you will. And as you can imagine, there were lingering threats of invasion from Babylon if the leaders of Jerusalem deviated from their dictated course. But unrest could also be found in the streets of Jerusalem. As Babylon systematically displaced Jerusalem's finest and most promising citizens and carried them away. But still, pride had weakened the people's ability to heed the Lord's commandments 
and to listen to the prophets of God who begged them to repent. It is during this time and during this chaos that we are introduced to Lehi and his family. When righteousness was scarce and when Jeremiah the prophet pleaded, Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now and know, and seek in the broad places thereof, if ye can find a man, if there be any, that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. So how extraordinary is it that we find Lehi not only listening to the prophets, but praying for Jerusalem with all of his heart. We're told that Lehi had lived in Jerusalem all of his days, which means he knew the manner in which she treated God's prophets. And no doubt he knew that the prophets had been cast out, stoned, and slain for their message. So how remarkable that this successful citizen of Jerusalem and this family man had not become infected by pride and also accepted God's call to be one of his prophets. Now I take liberty here. This isn't found in scripture, but I don't think it is too far of a stretch to empathize with Lehi, human to human, place ourselves in his shoes. It probably wasn't just Jerusalem who he was praying for with all of his heart. Lehi was a parent. And I know as a parent, there is nothing that weighs more heavily on my heart than the hearts of my children. As a father, Did he know the extent that his eldest son, Laman, was already within the trappings of Jerusalem's pride? Did he notice how his second son, Lemuel, was following after Laman's lead? Did his heart ache at his son's confusion regarding God and his attributes? And did he just shake his head in confusion at their acceptance of the philosophies of men? I'm sure he noticed that their discernment was already being affected. How did he bear to hear their defenses of a people who had turned so grossly away from God? How did he bear their arguments that not only were the people of Jerusalem righteous, but they believed that Jerusalem kept all of the statutes and the commandments of the Lord? Laman and Lemuel did not believe that Jerusalem could be destroyed. They didn't even think it was a possibility. They also believed that these prophecies of Lehi's were just his foolish imaginations. I'm sure that Lehi's acceptance of the call to deliver the Lord's message was as much to impact his family's salvation as it was to impact Jerusalem's salvation. But as we know, Lehi's message was rejected, and through a tender mercy of the Lord, Lehi was made aware of the dangers that he faced. There were those who were seeking to kill Lehi, and the Lord offered deliverance the Lord commanded Lehi to depart. Now, if we liken the Book of Mormon to our lives, it is easy to see that just like Lehi was given the tender mercy of deliverance from the ramifications of pride, the Book of Mormon extends the same mercy to us. In fact, I believe the Book of Mormon is an epic invitation to depart from pride. Think of it as an invitation to shed ourselves of the harmful poison that the world marinates in. He gives us an invitation to come unto him in the wilderness and to find the Lord and to let the Lord lead us to a land of promise. The bonus about our situation is that most of us are not going to actually need to leave our home and go tenting, but we are going to be asked 
to remove ourselves from the thoughts and the feelings and the beliefs and the teachings that should not have any real estate in our hearts. Why would it be so important to preserve these records of a people who struggled with the same frailties that we struggle with? I believe it's because the Lord wants us to recognize pride and wants us to know how to depart from it. He desires us to be strong, and He knows how pride diminishes not only our strength, but also weakens our feelings of worth. He knows it weakens our discernments and moves us farther away from Him. He is fully aware that pride either leaves us with feelings of inferiority, or on the opposite side of the spectrum, we run around with ourselves puffed up, continually proving to others how much worth we have. When the Lord's message to us is, your worth is infinite. But he knows that if we don't depart from pride, pride will leave us with ears that can't hear his message and eyes that cannot see the good that he is bestowing upon us and the good that already is within us. Doesn't this give a deeper meaning to Nephi's intention to show us how the tender mercies of the Lord operate in our lives if we stop contributing our accomplishments to our own strength and awesomeness and acknowledge that everything is actually from the Lord? When we do that, when we train ourselves to see the tender mercies and thank Him for that, we are then on the path of departing from pride. So what? What do we, as Sister Scriptorians, take away from this message? As we become Sister Scriptorians and study the Book of Mormon, which is another testament of Jesus Christ, we will learn and put to work in our lives the different tools needed to depart from pride. And just like Lehi, who had to gather up his provisions to travel with his family into the wilderness, we too will gather our provisions from the Word of God as we depart from the influence of pride so that we can become strong and know exactly who our strength comes from. We will study King Benjamin, who teaches us that when we are in the service of our fellow beings, we are only in the service of our God. So therefore, as our love for God grows, we will know that as we serve His children, that we are actually serving Him and showing our love back to Him. We will love Abinadi, who gave up his life in order to deliver the message that the people must give up their sins and come unto God and worship Him. So we're going to want to assess what are our modern day gods that compete for our hearts and our time and our devotion, all of which should belong to Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We'll be introduced to Lamoni's father, who was king of Lamanites, who desired eternal life and to be born of God so desperately that he offered to give up all that he possessed, even his entire kingdom, so he could depart from pride. What do you want to give up to be rid of pride's claim on you? The Book of Mormon is going to prick your heart, and the Holy Ghost will let you know what you can give up. Even the genius of military strategy, Captain Moroni, did not rely on his own knowledge, but he turned to the prophet Alma to discover where the Lord would have the Nephite army defend themselves against the Lamanites. Even he wasn't too proud to turn to the Lord's prophet for direction. Therefore, when we are trying to fortify our families, and we are in need of knowing how to best combat the adversary, Shouldn't we also turn to the Lord's prophet? 
and learn where the Lord would have us defend ourselves. When we turn to the prophet and listen to him, that is a good indication that we are departing from pride. And finally, the Lord Jesus Christ, in perfect humility, did not overwhelm and dominate the Nephites when he visited them. But he allowed each individual to gain their own personal witness of him. He invited them to come forth one by one until they had all gone forth and did see with their eyes and did feel with their hands and did know of a surety and did bear record that it was he of whom it was written by the prophets that should come. He exemplified love, not arrogance. Now, many focus on the destructive pride cycle found in the Book of Mormon, and this is helpful. It's necessary for us to be able to see this cycle and to recognize it as a cycle that us humans follow. It's a pattern we follow. The pride cycle is first, the people need God and they humble themselves and come unto him. And God blesses them. And the people begin to prosper and to multiply and become strong because of the tender mercies and the blessings of God. Then, because of their strength, their, per- their perception becomes skewed, and they begin to contribute their blessings to their own accomplishments and forget to rely on God, and they forget that all good gifts come from Him. Therefore, pride begins to creep in and cripples the people, because God could no longer dwell with them. And tragically, they are no longer being sustained by His power, and the people once again discover that they need God. And at this point, the cycle begins again as they humble themselves and turn back to the Lord. When we read the Book of Mormon, I hope that we'll be able to not only see the pride cycle that is happening in the Nephites and the Lamanites, but that we'll see it within ourselves in our society and do honor to both as we learn how to depart from pride. Just like Lehi prepared his family by gathering provisions and tents, I challenge you that this week, take the time to prepare yourself to learn what pride really is. And I want you to begin packing with this gem. It's from President Ezra Taft Benson's 1989 General Conference talk, Beware of Pride. Read it, watch it if you will, chew on it a bit, and I'll be back next week to break it down. If you haven't yet, please take the time to rate this podcast on iTunes and then recommend it to a friend. Also, please join us at sisterscriptorians.com or on our Facebook page and be an active member of our community. Share with us what you've learned about pride from President Benson's talk. Be bold and let us know what area you plan on developing as you depart from pride. Your willingness to share your intentions will help inspire us. I know it. That's the influence that we have as we learn, like in the scriptures, and lift others one principle at a time. So keep moving forward this week until we meet again. Bye, friends.